Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After 16 games spread out over 50 shows, Larry D is now prepared to officially close the book on the 2015 season, but not before taking a look back at the year that was and what can be in 2016. Can this year be looked at as a success, and what will that look like in 2016? Ron Rugg from Football as Americas joins us for the 2015 year in review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As they say, all good things must come to an end. And here we are for the season finale of the 2015 season of the Chicago Bears Review, our ninth of, you know, I want to say our ninth season on the air, whatever, however you want to call it, being a podcast and, and whatnot. But concluding uh, officially this, the ninth season of the Chicago Bears Review easily, the most fun I've ever had doing the show. You hear me talk about this right at the very end uh, of the episode. Um, not that the show hasn't been fun for me over the years. Actually, one of the few reasons that I continue to do it. Um, but uh, bringing on the guests and bringing in people from other fan bases who share their passion, who, who share the same passion for their team that we share for ours, having them on the show, people that live and die with their team. I thought that brought a really great perspective uh, to the show and, and something that I look forward to doing uh, as, we, uh, as we move forward uh, with the show in season number 10. Hopefully that can be a very special season uh, for us on the field as well as off um, you know, once we get that, uh, that underway, um, like I said, you'll hear me briefly talk about this at the end of the show. I don't know when I'm going to be back after this show, uh, wraps up. Um, you know, we have free agency coming up, you know, with, with, with the NFL network and ESPN and the 24 hour news cycle, the season never really seems to be far away. There always kind of seems to be something going on that kind of keeps football in the, uh, in the stratosphere, even during the, uh, off season you know you have the combine which is only about a month away if that you have free agency then you have the draft then ota start up and so on and so forth you know but obviously we know between now and kickoff sometime in september there's really only like two or three things worth talking about you got free agency you have the draft training camp then football so you know it's uh the offseason is usually a big lull for us, uh, but I'm going to do my best to uh, make sure that I don't disappear for very long. You know, I, I want to uh, I want to keep at it because, I've, like I said, I've just had way too much fun uh, this year. So I'm going to try to see what reasons I can invent to come back. Maybe I'll have to take back my saying that this is the season finale. Maybe I'll try to, uh, you know, wrangle up our divisional opponents uh, you know, from the from the AFC, NFC West and and kind of do a roundtable discussion or something like that. Just some ideas I'm throwing out there. Don't hold me to it. I'll see what uh, what I can uh, what I can arrange. So uh, but um, anyhow, 
Um, wasn't able to get Jeff Dickerson uh, back on the show this time around. Just weren't able to make it happen uh, with our schedules uh, uh, and such. So we brought in the next best thing, our good friend Ron Rugg uh, from Football is America. Um, just got done editing uh, the interview. Um, it was kind of a very loose form. Uh, we really couldn't even call it an interview. It was more like uh, somebody just pointed microphones at us while we were on the phone talking uh, about the Bears because it's a very loose uh, conversation, uh, bounces around a bit from time to time, doesn't have very much structure uh, to it. But it's a lot of information in there. Um, the one thing that we didn't do, and it probably for good reason because we lost 10 games, but we didn't do a game-by-game breakdown. It really was no need uh, to do anything like that. You guys all know how the season uh, turned out. So we, we go back and we, we talk about the you know free agency, the draft. We do the bear-up, bear-down list at the very end uh, and so on. So it's a good uh, discussion, a really uh, enjoyable uh, time that I had talking to Ron. Uh, two Bear fans just, uh, you know, shooting the breeze, talking about the season and what we'd like to see happen uh, in 2016. The hope that we have for the leadership in the organization, um, Ryan Pace, John Fox, uh, and so on. And, uh, you know, what we think the future will hold, you know, if things go, uh, if the ball starts bouncing the Chicago Bear uh, way. So, Real good discussion. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes uh, here. Um, it was a, <laughs> like I said, had to do a bit of editing. It ended up being what I wanted to be like a 30 to 45 minute discussion. It ended up being an hour and 25 minutes. I was able to shave it down to 107. So I'm going to wrap up this so the, the show doesn't get to be unbelievably too long. But, um, you know, it's the year in review. So there's a lot to cover. We were talking about 17 weeks worth of stuff. But um, just a quick uh, couple of bullet things. Uh, much to our chagrin, Adam Gase is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, was hired on um, as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So the good news there being that we won't have to see Adam Gase up close and personal until, A, we play him in the Super Bowl, or 2018 when the Bears play the AFC East again, whichever happens first. Um, he... Didn't take any assistance with him. He took one assistant. Clint Hurt, uh, who was our last year was the assistant defensive line coach, was our outside linebackers coach. This year, he follows uh, Gase out to Miami. He's native to the area, so it's kind of a homecoming uh, for him. Otherwise, Gase did not uh, didn't uh, pick at the um, coaching staff. Uh, Doel Loggins, as was one of the worst kept secrets in football. Our quarterbacks coach, one of Jay Cutler's favorite people in the organization, was promoted to offensive uh, coordinator. So according to Pace, according to Fox, uh, and so on, nothing is going to change as far as the offense uh, is concerned. We still, we're still we still going to implement the system that Adam Gase was running. Dole Loggins will just be the guy calling the plays uh, this time around. So um, don't expect a big departure or, a, you know, uh, it's not going to be a team that has to relearn a brand new offense because there's a new offensive coordinator. The offense is in place. We just got a new guy calling the place uh, is all there is. So and somebody who's already within the organization. So no real transition or anything will be needed, which I think will be huge for Jay, um, you know, not needing to learn a brand new offense and, and so on and so forth. So. Uh, the other big news uh, that took place was that uh, Kyle Long, actually, uh, you know, we were saying that the Bears didn't have anybody make the Pro Bowl first time since 98. Now that's no longer true. Kyle Long was an alternate uh, for the Pro Bowl and was promoted to the Pro Bowl roster when Jason Peters, the offensive tackle from the Philadelphia Eagles, um, 
due to injury was not able to play. So Kyle Long does make his third Pro Bowl in three NFL seasons. So he will uh, represent the Bears uh, in Honolulu uh, the week before the Super Bowl. So big, uh, big congratulations to Kyle Long. Three for three so far. The first in Chicago Bear history uh, to be able to uh, to do so. So congratulations to Kyle Long. And then finally to wrap things up here before we get to the interview, uh, as promised for the last four weeks, our Spread the Word Challenge to see who will win those uh, official Chicago Bear Review posters designed by yours truly and as should be no surprise to anyone, our two winners, Eric McCubbin and Tim Uncle Bear Sanchez, were the winners uh, by a pretty wide margin. Uh, I want to thank everyone for playing. You guys all did awesome uh, getting the word out there and uh, you know spreading the word of the Chicago Bears review to any Bear fans who weren't listening that need to be, damn it, need to be listening to my show because it is the best Chicago Bears podcast out there. And uh, congratulations to Tim and Eric. I already have plans to meet up with Eric, who actually lives in the same area uh, as myself. So we're meeting up to get him his uh, poster. Tim just has to get me his uh, address and which style of the two posters that you want. You can see those on the uh, Facebook page, which of the two that he wants, so I can get that sent out to him uh, as soon as possible. So those are the the brief announcements that we had there uh, at the beginning. And the rest will be covered by myself uh, and Ron Rugg as we sit down, you know, sit back, nice cup of hot cocoa for those of you in the frozen temperatures. I think the high out here in the Quad City area is uh, 12 uh, today. So, yeah, need some hot cocoa and a blanket maybe over the feet, that kind of thing. Sit back, relax, and enjoy myself and Ron Rugg discussing what was in 2015 and what could be in 2016 in this year's Year in Review. And back once again to help us out with the year-end review. Going to be joining us for the majority of the show from Football is America. Third time on the show, third time's a charm, Ron. Ron Rugg from Football is America. Welcome back to the Chicago Bears review. Well, thanks. We make it sound like I I wasn't good the first couple times. No, you were awful. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, only out of necessity that we have you back. You're a terrible human being. So All right. Just, well, uh, I... You know, you know. I, I'll take that as praise from you, yes. Larry. Just, just, <laughs> just do better this time, damn it. Okay. My, All right. I'll, I'll try. <laughs> so, Ron, the 2015 season, um, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a weird one that people talk about, especially the further we get away from it. Um, because going into the season, it was, for those of us who were thinking straight, um, we're thinking that – Based on what we saw in 2014, all we want to see in 2015, the realist has to think that what we want to see more than anything is improvement and competition and competitiveness, you know, a fight in the team compared to the lame duck squad they put on the field at the end of 2014, uh, especially. Maybe it won't translate into wins and losses this year. Maybe it's something we're a year or two away from. Based on that, you would have to say 2015 was a success because after the shutout loss to Seattle in week number three and the the loss in Minnesota towards the end of the season, we were in every game win or loss. 
Yeah, I think um, you look at what they what they were the last two seasons, and I think we we talked about this the first time. I think you had me on when we kind of did the preview show. Yeah, and uh, I think we were both under the I thought that their record would be, would be much worse. I think we all kind of did, and mm-hmm. I was not nearly as excited for the season as you were. <laughs> um, but they ended up they ended up being way when you say they were into it when they were in the games way more and they were way more competitive, that's kind of an understatement. When you look at what these same players for the most part were feeling at the end of the season. Yeah. The way that they played at the end of the season of 2014, the, the blow up in the locker rooms, the just showing up, that's what they were doing. And they came out and played. They actually played. They wanted to be there. They wanted to play football. And I think that started from the top down. Yeah, the hiring the getting John Fox in there to unify the locker room. That's what he does best. Getting bringing in Adam Gase and his guys to to see if they can right the ship when it comes to Jay Cutler. They did that. The big things that I said would be the downfalls of them. They corrected. I said the only way they win, the only way that they're competitive is if they correct these things, and they corrected almost all of them. Now the defense obviously still leaves a lot to be desired. Right. Um, you have a lot of issues there, but I think that's more of they were playing the cards they were dealt, yeah, rather than scheme or fit or anything like that. They are, they shifted from a four three to a three four, and played I thought decently well. They are still middle of the pack defensively. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so, just just think, Ron, if we had this middle of the pack defense in 2013 when we had the best offense in the NFL outside of Denver's historic offense, we'd have been a playoff team. Hell, we'd have made a deep run with a mediocre, you know, middle-of-the-road defense and the best offense in football. Exactly. And you, if you're a Bears fan, uh, and we, we know them, Larry, the ones that stuck by Mel Tucker after they decided to keep him on for another year, <laughs> and who were the apologists, who stood by him, who stood by Mark Trussman's decision to keep him, um, you, you have to sit back now and wonder how – how it was not at least that good, at least this good when he was there. Yeah. I mean, at, at, during that time frame, Peppers left, mm-hmm. Tillman's left. Yep. And the defense was still middle of the pack this year with people like Shea McClellan being the play caller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have Jay, you had Jay Ratliff who barely played until what about middle of the season? Uh, and, he came in like week four. Yeah. Okay. And then you have uh, Eddie Goldman out there who comes comes in fresh, rookie, sits sits right down and starts playing. You get Adrian Amos, just starts playing. Stud. Yeah, I mean, you. if there's one thing that I said we absolutely had to have is we had to have a, a, a front office who knew what the Packers and the Patriots were doing right. And I think yeah. that they've gotten that. And I'm excited to see what happens with the draft picks that they have this coming season. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. And, and to go back to your point about the defense, uh, I was reading uh, some stuff online. Uh, I think it was an article actually that Jeff Dickerson uh, wrote. And one of the comments that he made was that um, we, we maxed out the talent that we did have, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think where our offensive shortcomings came from was a mixture of of play calling, you know, at times, especially in the red zone. 
But the fact that, and you and I were talking about this just before we started recording, was that the we never had a healthy offense on the field ever this year. Like the, the, the 11 best players that we wanted at the beginning of training camp never took the field with each other in 2015. Exactly. I think when you say it's a mixture of, of injury and play calling, I think a lot of it has to do with injury more yeah, than play well, calling. Sure. I, th- I think Well, because your injuries are going to limit your play calling. Right, exactly. And you're not going to know what's going to work with the talent that you have left over. Right. And everything looks great in practice. Everything always looks great in practice because it's practice. Yeah. Ask Mark Tressman. Yeah. Like, everything looks great in practice. How many times did I want to rip the head right off that guy's shoulders? Well, we had a great week of practice. I have no idea what happened out there. So, yeah, (laughs) you you always look great in practice when you're going against air, you moron. And then you get out there against (laughs) actual people and the human factor kicks in. And, like, all of a sudden, oh, I don't know why that's not working. So, well, I, if the, the one thing when you're talking play calling that happened this, years i thought they got a little too predictable yeah in their play calling i think defenses and i think the games that the bears were very competitive in leading up into up to that thanksgiving game against the packers i thought are very informative when you compare them to the games that came after yeah because leading up to that those were the bears playing competitively and making teams sweat it out whereas on the back end those were the games the bears were playing competitively competitively but we're just always the little brother behind the other team right yeah so um there there was obviously a lot that went into some of the losses the bears had but when you look at the losses before that that game and the losses after i i think it was teams started figuring out what they were going to do to stop the bears after that game and it started working for mm-hmm. a lot of them and i think the injuries piling up uh, definitely made you know that was a big part of it. Matt Forte and Martellus Bennett and Jeffrey and not having Marquise Wilson, not having Eddie Royal. I mean, you got to people got to remember. I mean, they, they were playing with guys off practice squads from other teams. Yeah. I mean, on well, offense. I think our our starting wide receiving core for the last game against Detroit was Josh Bellamy, Mark Mariani, and uh, Cameron Meredith. Those were the top three guys we had in the wide receiving core because Jeffrey was out, Eddie Royal was out, Marquise Wilson was out. That's one, two, and three going into the season. So we had four, five, and six were our were are the guys that were that took the field that final Sunday against Detroit, and we still should have won that game. Definitely. I I and you know what my thoughts are when it comes to certain players, and we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. And uh and this is gonna sound weird, especially coming from me, just because of how much I have uh not been an apologist and not been in his corner. And I said it, I think a few times, uh, especially in uh, on your fan page was, uh, there were many points this season where instead of it being the other way around, like it normally was the team let Jay Cutler down. I thought this year, nobody could have done as good of a job with what he had outside of four or five guys than what Jay Cutler did. Yeah. Easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, everybody's going to make the argument, oh, Aaron Rodgers could do that, or Peyton Manning could do that, or Tom Brady could do that. I'm telling you, there's there's few. It's a few and far between yeah, lists. It's, it's definitely a short list that would have been able to do what Jay did with with the tools that he had. And eliminate his mistakes from yeah, previous seasons. on top of it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he had 
if you, I went back and I actually compiled a stat for you for this. It was I didn't have a ton of time, but I put together a couple of stats uh, of his inter, of his interceptions. Eighty percent were receiver error. <laughs> Whether they ran the wrong route, they quit on their route, or they let the ball hit them in the hands or in the chest, and it was a popped ball, a tipped ball, whatever. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of his interceptions were receiver error. Um, unfortunately, because of his reputation, people are are never going to see that way. Right. See it that way with him. I, ben Roethlisberger can go out and throw four interceptions. The Steelers still win. No one cares. Right. If the Bears went out and he threw and Jay Cutler threw four interceptions, even if the Bears won, everybody would still be talking about his four picks. Yeah, they're going to harp on that. Yeah. So I. And it so to me, honestly, the offense was incredibly successful, given the limitations they had. I thought that the defense didn't make many, many, many leaps and bounds uh, as comparative to the last couple of years. Not nearly, in my opinion, as good as what the offense was able to do with wet paper out yeah. there on the football field. So, I mean, that's that's why I kind of, you know, even I, – I, you still kind of have to view the year as a, as a success. We have building blocks in place. The rookie class that we brought in, uh, you know, the two guys – we had four – we had six picks – Four guys played. The two that that didn't didn't take. You know, the two guys that didn't contribute didn't play a snap this year. Our first round pick, Kevin White, and our sixth round pick, Teo Fabuluje, was more of a. You know, was I don't think he was even active for a game this year. But the guys that were active that played, you know, all made an impact one way or the other. They cracked the starting lineup where they were, you know, impact players. Uh, you know, throughout the year. So, I mean, those are building blocks that we have, not to mention guys like Jonathan Anderson and, and John Timu, um, you know, that we brought in, uh, uh, Carol Jones, Corte, the, the safety that, uh, were, were undrafted rookie free agents that all started games and contributed, uh, for the bears, uh, uh, as well. So, I mean, I think that on the defensive side, especially we just kind of ran out of gas towards the end of the year. I don't think it was necessarily gas. I think it's just talent. Yeah, well, that, that's what I meant. As far as the talent, I think we just absolutely maxed it out, um, and and it, and it went as far as it as it could. And then you know those last five games, which we thought were gonna were going to be the easiest part of the schedule, ended up being a disaster because of that. Right, and you brought up Jonathan Anderson and uh, um, Timu Timu as yeah. well, and those two guys, I think if and I know we're, we'll get to that later, but those two guys, I just uh, – uh, words can't express how impressed I was with their play heading into the back end of the season. I mean, and Jonathan Anderson's even at the beginning, you know, the interception that wasn't against Detroit. Oh. Um, I mean, he had he had some quarterbacks' numbers. I mean, and everybody talked about Telvin Smith and how he played for um, Jacksonville this year, right? Jacksonville? Yes. And uh, he was – if John, Jonathan Anderson could easily be the same kind of guy and just he's fast he tunes into the quarterback very quickly and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the starter next year and I wouldn't be surprised if Timu's a, a, a starter at least at, at worst rotational yeah and uh, I think what the Bears honestly need is they just need that little bit of flash they just need that the those one or two key guys to build around. And I think when you get those playmakers in there, whether it be pass rusher, whether it be coverage guy, maybe they can get themselves 
um, a, sa- a veteran safety that is maybe just a little past his prime, but is still very good that can bring Amos up. Um, you get, I, I think you, ha- you have a lot of talent, young talent there that people I think are underestimating a little bit because everybody says, well, the talent just wasn't there. The talent's there. I just think that they're missing a few key pieces leadership wise to get them where they need to go. Yeah. So, I mean, the, this is going to be a very big off season for Ryan Pace and, and, and John Fox to, to, I mean, cause it's, it's critical. This, I mean, this off season is practically more important than last off season was because there was, there was a, a huge margin of error coming in, especially once the announcement was made that we were changing schemes on the defensive side of the ball. You know that that gave them a little bit of slack as far as you know expectations going into the year. You bring in Fangio, we're going to change this up. We're going to be turning defensive ends into outside linebackers, and history shows that that's not always the the you know the key to success in everything. Lamar Houston, Willie Young made the adjustment. Jared Allen couldn't, and we shipped him out to uh, Carolina. Uh, you know, after about three or four weeks of that, not. Um, working out so i mean if we if we can have another off season like we had last year we make a few key free agent signings and according to pace we're uh you know which is kind of sounds like a bummer because i i'd like to see what the bears maybe could do with a guy like von miller but according to pace we're going to spread out that 60 million in cap space as opposed to making a splash and spending it all on one guy i think that's the right move i do too i think if you look at what has built successful teams, consistently successful teams, that's what they do. They get guys that fit their scheme, that don't cost them a ton of money, and you're going to have some teams that are able to somehow find a way to fit a guy in, even though he costs a lot. To me, Josh Norman would be a very interesting... Yeah, the cornerback uh, from Carolina. I, that would be a very interesting one to bring in, if you could put him opposite, uh, especially because... He could come from Carolina after we after they signed Tillman, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, co- go to the Bears and be opposite, um, opposite. I just lost his name out of my head. Um, the rookie, uh, the guy that was a la- rookie last year, um, corner that the Bears have right now. <laughs> Fuller. I can't think. Fuller. Fuller, thank you. I Jeez. couldn't think of his name either. That's what, <laughs> man. I, I swear to God, I wasn't letting you struggle. I was like, what is his name? I don't. I was remember. like, he's hanging me out to dry hardcore no, right it's now. Kyle Fuller. Uh, Kyle Fuller. Kyle yes. Fuller. Uh, um, so he, uh, having both of those guys up op- one opposite the other, one coverage, one press would be very interesting. Yeah. I think, um, pass rush should be a very big priority Absolutely. for them. Yep. And, uh, if they're going to stick with this three, four base, cause they play more of a base than they do any kind of blitz packages or anything. They have some specialty type stuff, but for the most part, they played a base defense most of the season. You think that's maybe why we didn't blitz more? Cause we don't have the playmakers to get to the quarterback like that. I, I believe so. I think that they, uh, there was a lot of talk this year about how the bears didn't take any risks on defense. They weren't going and they weren't going after the pass rusher. They were well, kind I mean, of because letting... that's what Fangio did in San Francisco. But he had the horses to do it in San right. Francisco. Right. Everybody talks about how he made the defense there. Let's let's be honest. He had some of. I mean, he had some guys there that were already ready to do what he needed them to do. Right. And yeah. here he doesn't. And he played conservatively. That's true. Since Brian Urlacher has left, yeah. and even even those last few years that Brian Urlacher was there, the Bears have had major major over the middle coverage problems has been the same 
every year. They have two spots on the football field that they just do not put people in to cover. If you're an, if you're an opposing offense, you know that five yards past the defensive line to 15 yards past the defensive line and directly in between the numbers is open. They yeah. did it to teams did it to the Bears all year. If you can get yourself a Clay Matthews, a JJ Watt, or a, any number of other outside linebackers that can play both the three or the four technique for them, like a, like a Cameron Wake or something like that. Yeah, if they can find somebody like that, that, and then they can also still draft themselves because I think that would be the key. If I if it was me, I would go after that kind of a guy in free agency, and I would draft me my inside linebackers. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, you know going to bring that up with the you know as we probably know by now the Bears are picking 11th in the first round uh this year and I've seen about three or four different mock drafts uh from three or four different sources. Mel Kuyper, the draft guru himself, released his first one I believe yesterday and has the Bears taking um uh inside linebacker uh Reggie Ragland from Alabama. In other uh, on other mock drafts, I've seen Miles Jack from UCLA, and the inside linebacker from Notre Dame that got hurt uh, in the Ohio State bowl game. So, but all inside linebackers has been the theme of anyone doing a mock draft for the Bears lately. It, when it comes to the draft, lots of picks. I mean, how many picks do they have this year? Do you know? Um, well, we have we have the full slate, and we have I think what two extra. Six round picks for Bostic and uh, uh, what's his name, Allen. Oh, and they have a fifth round pick for Brendan Marshall. No, we used that. Oh, that was the year before. That was a right. 2015 pick. Yep. Okay. Um, I was just looking to see how many so, they have. I think we have nine. I think we have nine picks because the full slate would be seven plus the two extra six rounders would give us nine. Ten so. with uh, Jared Allen. Okay. With the Jared Allen pick. All right. So there's there we go. So 10. They have 10 picks. Ryan Pace is... So he's already got four more chances than he had last year. Yes. To make it even better. I mean, you, you, the the late round guys, uh, Amos, Langford, mm-hmm. um, those guys ended up being the two of the biggest contributors on the defense, yeah. or, on, uh, or on the team. On the team, period, and then, yeah. It, on the team, and then Eddie Goldman became a great contributor to the defense to the point where they were just like, "See you, Jay Ratliff. We don't need you. Thanks." And it it if he can reproduce what he did in the draft this year versus last year, I think it's going to be very. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. That last year the the Bears got an A minus grade in the draft. I don't believe, or I can't see anything that leads me to believe that it wouldn't be. The same, if not better, this year, given what they have to work with. Right, and I and I think that um, you know Ryan Pace had had a great philosophy on approaching just the off season in general. You you use free agency as a tool so that you can take the best player available in the draft, and that's what he did last year. We needed help at, with pass rush. We needed a safety. And we needed help with with uh, you know wide receivers with Brandon Marshall being gone. We needed a you know a complement to Alshon Jeffrey, and then we went into the draft 
And, yeah, we needed a replacement for Brandon Marshall, so Kevin White as the top pick was a need, but he was also the best player available at that time. Then in the second round, we went and got Eddie Goldman. Yeah, well, we need a nose tackle, so that kind of filled both. Then when we got to the third round, you see Hironis Grasu. Okay, so that makes sense, I guess. And then Jeremy Langford and then Adrian Amos is like, okay, he's definitely doing best player uh, available. And that philosophy worked in spades for the Bears this year. Yeah, and when you look at what, what he did with uh, Goldman, the Bears needed to find a way to anchor a defense in transition. They did that with Goldman. And White, like you said, just the best player that was left on the board. I think the Grassi one was one of the ones I ended up liking the most in the end. I yeah. know that he had his struggles this year. What rookie center doesn't, especially when yeah. thrown into the fire the way that he was. I was never a huge fan of the Will Montgomery signing. You remember that from the very beginning of the year. Yeah. And I said that Grassu had better be ready because he's going to be playing. And I think they their intention was to work him in at guard some this year. And they ended up not being able to do that. They had to they had to play him at center. Yeah. And uh like you said, uh, Amos, that I think he can be one of the most improved players next year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think if if he's able to, if they're able to build upon what he did this year, and um, get a giant return in just in exponentially going into training camp, coming out of training camp, as long as he stays healthy, that is a guy that he has all of the talent. He just needs refining. He yeah. just needs. Uh, leadership. He just needs to somebody to sit down and say, okay, in these situations you will do this. In these situations you will do that. I mean, he is a guy that just needs um, fundamentals based on the scheme. It is not a talent issue with almost any of these players, but especially him. Yeah, he could be. He could be Mike Brown easily. Yeah, better. He could I think. be a Mike Brown guy. I think uh, he could for be sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, th- this is the kind of guy that I think in, if he, if all plays out right. And we, you know, I could completely be whiffing on this, but if all plays out right, from what I saw this season, he could be a guy that in two or three years is a defensive anchor. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that he is your Brian Dawkins. He is your uh, Ed Reed. He okay. is your he's your guy back there that uh, your your Troy Polamalu. You know, before the very end there, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. the guy that can time the snaps, the guy that can that can read the quarterback to perfection from twenty five yards or. 25 yards away, you know, the the one that baits quarterbacks into throwing the ball to him. I think mm-hmm. he could do all that. It's just, it's going to be, this offseason will tell us if that's going to be possible right yeah. here. This yeah. one right here. We'll know next season. If he doesn't take a huge step forward, like I think he will, then we'll know that he's going to be more like, like you said, going to be right on the Mike Brown level. But I think he has the talent to go way beyond that. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I think even even from the very beginning, uh, it was either John Fox or Ryan Pace. I think it was Fox actually that was, you know, that said they were prepared to take him in the second round, and ended up still being able to steal him in the fifth. Like he he thought I think going into into OTAs and such like that that Amos was the steal of the draft for them. Like yeah. this was a guy that they had a second round grade on, and somehow they were still able to get him in the fifth round after they, you know, um, you know, filled other other uh wants or needs going, you know, in the third and fourth rounds. And that's so, what I was that's what I was trying to get at with um making sure that you don't let 
somebody's history, somebody's past, cloud your judgment on a player talent-wise. And we're going to... I'm a big advocate for building an offensive line through the draft. And I know that you have to spend a little bit of money some places, but so far, the Bears have been trying to build their offensive line through free agency, and it has not worked out well. The best... Best offensive line in football, Larry. Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Three number one picks on that line. Yep. And, and get... a guy and a guy who should have been a number one pick. Yep. But because his personal life became Public. you know, something on America's most wanted all of a sudden. Um, you know incorrectly and, at that. Yeah, on top of it all, Lael Collins, who was a surefire first round pick, went undrafted and I was I was like, why didn't we sign him? Why didn't we go out there and get him? We need a tackle. We need we need we need help on on the offensive uh, line. And then of course Dallas scoops him up. It's like, oh, okay, great. And then th- th- <laughs> there's adding to their adding to their pedigree. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, because they need help on the offensive line. Obviously, uh, in Dallas, watching him uh, go out there, yeah, just ridiculous the line that they have. But you, but you know the point you're making is. You know, those are guys that they all drafted, mm-hmm. you know, and an undrafted rookie free agent. You that know, they probably would have drafted. Yeah, most likely. Uh, or yeah. Somebody would have drafted, but uh, I, I'm i just a big advocate. There's a lot of things that I believe in building through the draft. Um, I believe inside linebackers, um, inside defensive linemen, I, I think uh, safety to a point, and then um, I think – corner to a point but when it comes i'm talking defensively only i think that a lot of times your pass rushers should be free agents guys who have proven that they are but they are a pass rusher right yeah because i think there's just too many hits and misses on pass rushers i mean you look at Jadavion Clowney, not who has who played decently this season granted he had injury issues and he's come back from that not nearly the, the player that they needed him to be or how about for the dolphins Dion jordan they yeah. they moved up what like eleven spots from like fourteen to three to pick him, and he has been an absolute bust. For yeah. Them. So, you I I think there's just certain things you take in the draft defensively, and ones you should steer clear of completely in the draft unless they are the number one guy in the country at their position. Yeah. I mean, if if they are the number one, and I'll extend that to number two, if they're the number one or the number two guy in the country, pass rusher-wise, you go after them. But for me, what I'm hoping to see from the Bears when it comes draft time is inside linebacker or uh, probably say, probably offensive line. Yeah, I, I would have to say. Uh, hopefully a guard or a tackle, and we'll talk about, like you said, we'll talk about the Kyle Long thing, and there's a reason why I say a guard or tackle. And... um. But I was looking at your list actually here, Larry, of the free agents leave that are possibly leaving the Chicago Bears. Right. And I just wanted to know if you want to touch on that just yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I mean, Matt- just just to go through them real quick, we got mm-hmm. Matt Forte, Alshon Jeffrey. Those are the big two. Mark Mariani, Zach Miller, Will Montgomery, Vlad Dukas, Mitch Unrein, Sam Acho, Shane McClellan, Tracy Porter, Alan Ball, and and Patrick Omeme is a restricted free agent now. After Alshon Jeffrey and, and Matt Forte, and actually probably about Mariani and Zach Miller, the rest of those guys after that are all, you know, they were all on one-year deals, so they're most likely, you know, not coming back for a second. 
uh, guys like Montgomery and Ducasse and, and Unrein and Acho, you know, these are guys that are kind of like placeholders for whoever the Bears want to bring in next uh, kind of thing. You know, first year for Pace and uh, and so on. So, but, um, you know. Well, I don't, I don't see the, the people I can definitely see not coming back. Montgomery is definitely not coming back. Right. Um, he And granted, it's unfortunate injuries happen, but given his history with injuries and given the fact that the Bears are going to be unimpressed with the fact that they had to cover for him so early in the season, yeah, they are not going to be bringing him back. I think Dukas, he had flashes of being at least formidable on offensive line, but he let a lot of things go. Mm-hmm. And uh, was I won't ever, I'm not going to ever say that he was the reason that they lost games, but he Jay Cutler paid the price for some of his, some of his play mm-hmm. this year, and so I could see, and I think he was a, a guy they brought in because of injury. They needed another person to bring in because of injury, and then he ended up playing because of more injury. Yeah, and Mitch Unryan, I actually like Unryan. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I, I think I he. Uh, I think that's somebody who just is still looking for his place mm-hmm. and what his actual job should be. I think he's very interesting and rotationally, if you can get him for cheap, I would hang on to him. Right. Just because I think he'd be real great in that rotation. And uh, I, Sam, I go ahead. like you were, I think you were about to say that about Sam Acho too. I kind of exactly, put yeah. him in, in the same category. I think he really loved being in Chicago this year. I mean, he played so well in the preseason and the bears cut him when he came down with that, with that illness that was kind of going through the team and people lost their minds. I was one of when them. We cut, yeah, you were when they, when they cut Acho. And then of course they brought him back once he was finally healthy again, you know, so everybody was able to just relax after that happened. But, you know, I think he is kind of one of those quiet favorites in Chicago um, was kind of the number three guy behind, you know, Houston, Lamar McPhee and, and, and stuff like that. He's, uh, he wasn't always on the field, but uh, one that kind of – who did a good job of making the most of the time that he did have on the field. Yeah, and I, I'm actually interested to see uh, how he – what well, where they'll play him at. Like, I honestly thought that he would have been best if they were going to blitz. That That's that's a great spot for him to be – if they're going to do blitz packages, which is what they'll do with, with Van Gio, why not have him and McPhee one side and the other just because if they're going to rush five – I mean, Acho has the ability to do that either side of the football. So does McPhee. So really, you, you just take your pick. I I really like him. I was I was of course very upset when they when they got rid of him. I I think I uh, <laughs> I think I talked about it on our show about five straight minutes about how stupid it was <laughs> that they let him go. And um, and I think I think the big part was that I said they kept they let Sam Acho go and they kept Shane McClellan. And I just don't understand. And I, I, we've said it, and that's the, another guy you got on your list. And hopefully, they've learned their lesson by now, and it's done. I hope that this is it. I hope that they are tearing that page of the book out. They're wadding it up. They're lighting it on fire. They're swallowing it. Like I just, mm-hmm. I hope that it's gone forever. That the Shane McClellan era should be done. I, I know that he had some very good things that happened. He had, I think, at one point, he led the NFL in tackles for a little while. And uh, it was, I don't know if it was, I think it was a, a week or two. It was way better than what we thought it was, like you said. But I just can't see him sticking around for what they need at that position. Unless they're going to keep him on maybe special teams if they can get him for cheap. But I just, I don't know. No, I, I, I just don't. Honestly, I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, Tracy Porter is interesting. 
Um, I think they should keep him. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't. I don't think there's any. There's no reason to let him go, especially because he's going to give you the old player discount, mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to move. Yeah, I think that's in itself. A, I thought he played very well. I think that he kind of got the shaft on some pass interference calls this year. Oh yeah. But I think if you're going to take him, if you're going to talk about him or Alan Ball, I'm going to take Porter. Oh yeah, for sure. Easily. So, uh, yeah. and then you're, offensively, you're talking Matt Forte. I think we're all, we're all in agreement. He's probably gone after watching Langford play this year, mm-hmm. and in a sole role. It's not. This isn't like a lot. I heard, I saw some com, some comparison um, conversation of this is going to be a situation just like when Thomas Jones left and they put Cedric Benson in charge. And oh, I was like, no, no, it's no, no it's way. not. It's not even no. close. It's not even the same. It's not the same scheme. It's not the same type of player. The the league has changed since then. I said it's not even. It's not even close to what. You, and so I dispel that right now. Matt Forte, Jeremy Langford is Matt Forte's replacement, not a different running back. Yeah, he is going to come in and do what Matt Forte did, just at a younger age. Alshon Jeffrey, I know that you don't know what you have in Kevin White. Yeah, and 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 because of that, I think letting Jeffrey go leaves too big a hole to be filled. You True, know what I mean, but he's going to demand a lot of money. Well, and that's why God invented the franchise tag. So, I mean, you, I mean, and if I know it's it's it, I know the players hate it, and if I was a player, I'd probably hate it too. But in this case, how can you offer at Jeffrey anything but the franchise tag at right. this point after the year that he had? You know the, the uh, you know a one year guaranteed top five deal is the best that I think both sides should hope for in this outcome is that Jeffrey plays and proves that a he can stay healthy that he can produce like he always has I mean he had great games this year when he was he healthy did, enough yes. to play he had great games and and that's kind of why this it's it's such a torn argument. You know, he he had great games. He he showed who he was. The, the you know when he was out there, and the people on the pro Jeffrey side are saying, well, that's why we should give him what he wants and bring him back. But then we played in in total twenty games this year. Jeffrey only played in nine of them. Right. So you know we need way more than that from Alshon Jeffrey if we're going to make a long term commitment to him. I don't think he's earned it yet. No, and I think that if you're saying it's the smartest thing, and I absolutely agree. So I think you know where I stand a little bit. Yeah, I um, mean, then you got guys like Mark Mariani and Zach Miller. Uh, Zach Miller, I thought was outstanding uh, this year. He'll be uh, the reason he, that Martellus Bennett should be gone from the right. football team, but will not be gone from the football team. Probably not. But I mean, because but that's I mean, and we'll see what what Martellus Bennett will be next year if he's got a brain in his head and he's he's he yeah, believe him to be a smart guy. If he's got a brain in his head, he'll keep his head down and just play football next mm-hmm. year. But will he and his personality allow that to happen? Because he's also the guy that loves the sound of his own voice and he loves to be in front of a, a camera. You know, he and his brother both. You know, will he uh, will that allow that? Because he's he's got one year left, and is he going to make enough of an ass of himself to turn other teams off from signing him, or will he keep his head down, play football, produce like he has in the past, and move on? And force the Bears to spend money yeah, to keep him or yeah. other teams to spend money to get him. I think Zach Miller is going to pan out way more than what people think. I think Martellus Bennett will play his last year, and that will be it. 
Right. And uh, Zach Miller will be the transition point there. Mark Mariani, that is a guy that I was never really high on, mostly because of his special teams play mm-hmm. and the decisions that they made putting him on special teams. Yeah. But in a receiver role... Yeah, as a special teamer, I do not want Mark Mariani back. No. I don't. I mean, he was he obviously was way better than what the Bears had when we signed him to be our punt returner. He was a breath of fresh air compared to the dumpster fires that we had out there. Right. But it's obvious that he's not a playmaker on special teams. He's not the special guy. He shouldn't be our punt returner. But the way that he emerged this year and how he became Mr. Reliable, especially towards the end of the season, I mean, he had 80 yards on six catches in the game against Detroit, mm-hmm. that's the guy that I want back for next year. Exactly. Slot receiver, Wes Welker style play. He plays mm-hmm. it perfectly. Yeah, He does it great. And if he can develop that reputation with Jay Cutler, I think that that could easily become a household connection. Yeah. I mean, and, and this was a guy that didn't make small receptions no. this year. Anytime that he made a catch, it was, you know, 10, eight, you know, 8, 10. It was always for first downs. Always for big chunks of yardage, you know, always in the middle of the field and all that kind of stuff. And he He, fought for him. Yeah, and he did. He did. And and it wasn't like – we're not talking like Jay Cutler threw the ball 60 yards through the air to him. Jay Cutler threw the ball to him five yards away, and he turns that into a 20-yard gain. Right. I mean, that's the kind of stuff – across the middle routes, yeah. Yeah, he's perfect, and he can take a beating, and that's what I like to see. A receiver who will go out there, who will take take a Vontez Burfecht-style hit (laughs) – and get up and go right back up there, line right back up and do it again. Yeah, we and should give him. That, uh, we should put the eighty-seven on him instead of eighty, so he can be the new Tom Waddle. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. We should do it. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm for it. We yes. should make him change his name. And Start a petition. Yes. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited to see him come back. Uh, I really hope that they're smart enough to realize what they have in him, and realize that maybe he was a. Ironically. He's a way better receiver, slot receiver, than he yeah. is a kick returner, where the Bears tried to change that around with Devin Hester a while back and make yeah. a really good receiver out of a out of an outstanding kick returner, and boy, did yeah. that not work out. No, it did not. <laughs> but I think so. this one can. So maybe they can atone for that. So so those are the free agent targets. Those are the free agents. And you start to wrap things up here. Uh, 2016, uh, or 2015, the Bears had the toughest, based on opponent win-loss records, the toughest schedule in the entire NFL, number one uh, in the league. Uh, I think almost a 600 like win percentage for the teams that they played uh, this year. Um, going into 2016, based on win-loss records in 2015, the Bears have the third easiest schedule. The AFC South, the NFC East, the two worst divisions uh, in football, and our in a fourth-place schedule with San Francisco and Tampa Bay being the same-place finishers. And I don't we should with oh. a with a with a home schedule, sorry, of Jacksonville, Tennessee, Philadelphia, Washington, and San Francisco. If we don't win more than one game next year in Soldier Field, I'm gonna blow the place and burn it to the ground. <laughs> uh that home game stretch has a lot of unknown mm-hmm. in it. We we have the known of our division and then the unknown of the uh of Tennessee, Philly, San Francisco. Um I'm I'm really I think Green Bay is going to get better. Obviously Jordy Nelson's going to come back, so that'll be that's kind of a if our team of course improves at the same rate, that's that could be a toss-up game. Minnesota got the best of us um in 
Minnesota got the best of us in a game they shouldn't have won this year. No, no. And uh, Detroit got away with one as well this year with the no. They got away with two this year, man. That's true, but they one sh- more specifically with the interception yeah. thing. And yeah. I think they the Bears can easily they can they can win these home games. They can they can win the home games. They can I think they can beat Jacksonville. Because of the stigma that they have on the for road games, I think they can beat Tennessee. They're just not going to improve enough. I think Philadelphia will be a different. That'll be a, a something just to keep an eye on, depending on where they play them. If they play them early in the year, maybe if they play the tougher teams, uh, if they play the tougher teams early, I think that they can beat them. If uh, not, then they're going to have some trouble. Right, and then on the road, it's. A little bit more formidable, but these are definitely teams that are beatable 100%. Dallas, I think, is the, the only team on the schedule outside of our division opponents that really worries me. You got the Giants, new head coach, even though it's the promoted from within, so probably not a whole lot going to change because I think they're even going to keep Spagnola as their defensive coordinator. Yep. So they're not really changing anything except Tom Coughlin won't be there. Houston uh, won the division. They They played strong except for that wild card game where they <laughs> didn't play at all. Uh, and then you have Indianapolis, who was just decimated by injuries uh, uh, this year. Andrew Luck, you know, I don't think he has a spleen anymore with what happened to him and, and all that kind of stuff. We'll see what happens there. They inexplicably brought Chuck Pagano back and their their um, GM on top yeah. of it. So I don't know what kind of message that sends to the team because they just spent the whole year – talking about how neither one of these guys is going to be back. Not only are they bringing them back, they extended them through the end of the decade, which I can't yeah. – I just can't fathom that. And then Tampa <laughs> Bay, um, you know, who knows what they're going to be now with Lovey gone and, and Dirk Cutter, the new head coach, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, Will it be the third so, year in a row that we play both San Francisco and Tampa Bay? Uh, no, just the second. Well, this will be the third year for – this next year will be the third year for Tampa Bay. Second. No, you know what? You're right. You are absolutely right because we played them both. Um, and back to back years so far. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. So uh, you say it's the third easiest schedule, which means that it's going to end up being at least in the top five toughest. That's yeah. how. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Sure. Yep. Sure. So, but that's um, kind of the look forward that we have there for the for the schedule. On paper, it's the third easiest schedule. So, you know, I mean, who knows what we could have done against that schedule this year? Hmm. You know, it's interesting to think about. Um, you know, just I think we definitely would have won more than one stinking home game. That's for sure. So, but as uh, as we wrap things up here, Ron, uh, how we met was through you being a listener of that's the correct. show. Yep. So I, I, I bestow the honor upon you of taking part in Bear Up. Bear down. Am I the first? You are the first. Oh. You now, are the first. So now I have to really not suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I've I put a list together here of, of the team of the team of the players uh that I think are worthy of these uh bear up, bear down awards. And and I always kinda like to start with the bad ones first so we get the bear down uh mm-hmm. awards out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think there's really any question about these people. Uh Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite his flashes and his production when he was on the field, he was off of it way too much mm-hmm. this year, especially in an all-important contract year, in a year that there really wasn't a year with it where we needed him more, and he wasn't yep. there. Eddie Royal, I'd lump him in as well. Antro Roll, 
you know, it was Antro Roll, Eddie Royal, and Pernell McPhee were our big three free agent signings, and Royal and Roll were never, you know, were always out of out of the lineup being banged up uh, as well. Uh, Martellus Bennett, same thing. When he wasn't c- crying to the media about his role in the offense, he was <laughs> dropping passes, and then he himself got hurt and missed the rest of the season. Jay Ratliff, I don't think we need to say anything more about Jay Ratliff that I didn't say earlier this year. Shay McClellan, we've given a mouthful about him. And unfortunately, one of my favorite guys on the team and one of the most productive, reliable guys, Robbie Gold, uh, a bear down this year. Uh, we could have easily had another two or three wins had it not been for whatever the hell was bugging him this three. year. I mean, at least, yeah. At uh, least. A guy that we never gave a second thought to making those kicks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. a guy who in playoff. And when playoffs came around, was what his name says was solid gold, yeah. and just I, uncharacteristically this year, in back-to-back games, missed kicks that would have ended it for the Bears, yeah. and yeah. just I, I of course was blown away. I'm obviously not as blown away as Vikings fans are right now, <laughs> but and that's my stab. But nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> um, I'm I, uh, I definitely hope that he bounces back and that they don't make the mistake of using that as his de- his, a career-defining moment and get mm-hmm. rid of him because I yeah. think that he is still one of the best kickers in the NFL. Yeah. And then you added one um, to the bear down list. Go ahead and tell everybody what that is. Um, I added Matt Forte. And a lot of people are not going to like that. Uh, you're going to get a lot of comments, and I'm glad that you let me do it so that it takes the heat off of you, Larry. Um, well, I, I didn't put him on the list, Ron. You did. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I actually didn't put him on the bear up list. Right. So he was actually not going to make either one. You wanted to put him on the bear down list, not necessarily for the way that he played, because when he was playing, he was solid, mm-hmm. but for another reason altogether. Yeah, his attitude. Right. I find uh, a fan base that has but done nothing but opened up their arms to him who has they have cherished him as the running back that they that he is who would never let him go if they had the option right um he is our generation's uh Walter Payton mm-hmm. right now at least specifically my generation just growing up watching the bears and how badly how bad it was after Walter Payton left right um but to to see what happened before the season started with the contract issues i get it contract issues happen i was Glad to see him come back to the team. Then, as the the season wound down, he got hurt. I thought to myself, you know, we'd seen a lot of things with the twi- with Twitter comments and stuff like that. His attitude about about how much the Bears considered him done or his career over, how much they respected him as a player, how much they respected his play. There was a lot of question about that. There was comments being made that were never verified. He says that he didn't say him, but those comments get out somehow. Right. And I was never a big fan of his attitude in general. And then what solidified it for me was the workhorse Jersey in the locker room. Right. So for those of you who don't know what he's, what he's referring to when the bears cleaned out their lockers, the Monday after the loss to Detroit, um, Matt Forte, the one thing that was left behind in Matt Forte's locker was a t-shirt with the number 22 on it that said workhorse across the top. That was kind of, in my opinion, either depending on how you want to take it, either a slap in the face or a middle finger 
to the organization um, by leaving that T-shirt there like that. And I, I said it earlier in the season when he left with injury, and you were excited to see what Jeremy Langford was going to do. That yes. was that. That was what everybody wanted to see. What is Jeremy Langford going to do? Because he had been good in his rotation, and mm-hmm. Forte leaves with the with the injury, and it, instead of there being what seemed to be like a lot of support for Langford, it was still about Matt Forte not being on the field. It was in some of the radio interviews I heard from him. It the demeanor, his demeanor was kind of, oh, the Bears aren't going to be able to do it without me. And then Jeremy Langford turned out being very good in his absence, and remarkably a guy that had been completely unable to practice the week before Jeremy Langford has those back to back over 100 yard games. Mm-hmm. And Matt Forte is suited up, ready to go at 6 a.m. Wednesday morning <laughs> for practice. And I just, I, there's, there's signs there. Yeah. I understand that maybe that doesn't mean that he should be 100% placed on the bear down. I just think that if this thing is going to end this way, it's sad that it did. Yeah, no, I agree, and and I and you know if if you guys remember, I think it was going into the San Diego game. No, going into the St. Louis game. Um, no, yeah, no, no, in the, into the St. Louis game after he had that game in, uh, on Monday night national television against the Chargers when he made that crazy extending the arms diving uh, catch, and then he you know he had like seventy, eighty yards through the ground, another seventy through the air. That after he did that, and he's like, man, you know, the Bears didn't miss a step without Matt Forte. All of a sudden, he's healthy enough to practice. I made a point to bring that up on the show. Be like, was anybody surprised to hear that all of a sudden Matt Forte is healthy enough to be practicing, even though he didn't play for another two weeks because he didn't play against St. Louis or um, Denver before he finally played on Thanksgiving night. But, Mm -hmm. you know, was anybody surprised that all of a sudden – He's trying to make it work and trying to get himself out there after Jeremy Langford had his breakout game uh, against the um, against the the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Well, you could see it on his face on the sideline. You could. There was mm-hmm. a, I can't remember which game it was, but I, I'm pretty sure it was the second game that Langford uh, played very well. And then the announcers. I think that I think I know what you're talking about. I think I heard the announcers say the Bears didn't seem to really miss a beat with him gone because of Langford. Well, it, it looked- was it was mentioned on the Monday night game, you know, mm-hmm. especially by John Gruden, mm-hmm. and then it was doubly mentioned the week after in St. Louis, yeah. when he had that eighty-plus yard touchdown reception. When the Bears beat the, a team the that screen. they shouldn't have even had a shot right. at the yeah, time, yeah, they were supposed to get murdered in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. they blasted the Rams out of the water, right? And, and Jeremy Langford was a big reason why. And I think, and I think it was that game. I, I th- was it because I'm pretty sure he tra- he traveled on his own and he was on the sideline, and I thought I saw him. And he just had a look on his face like, uh-oh. Yeah. And so when I listened to your show and you said, you know, that you weren't surprised that he was suiting up the next week, uh, I just kind of chuckled because that's exactly what I thought when I saw his face. Well, because all of his leverage was gone mm-hmm. after that. You know, it's like, you guys need me. You're going to have to bring me back whether you want to or not, and I'm going to make you pay through the nose and, and sign me for longer than you want to. Because you're going to have to. And then Langford has those two awesome games against San Diego uh, and St. Louis, both on the road. We won both of those games, and, you know, especially the St. Louis game convincingly, and he was a major reason why. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I think I should probably get in practice so I can show them that they still need me. <laughs> yeah. And, 
you know, sure enough, after that, you know, he did miss the Denver game, but he was there front and center national TV yep. against the Packers uh, on Thanksgiving night. Yep. So, you know, for that reason, I think it's a valid choice. And that's, you know, I didn't think of it that way. I just thought maybe he played too well to be on the bear down list, but that's definitely a good reason. Uh, to have him on the the bear down list for sure, especially like if you said that's the way it ends. If we don't end up bringing him back, and he doesn't, we don't get to shove that T-shirt back up his ass for putting it up there. <laughs> um, then you know that is that is just I just think it's just a, such a low class way to go out mm-hmm. if that's how it ends. I you mean, know, and petty. I know there were it's you know there yeah exactly there were people out there that were kind of like yeah you tell him Matt you know they they don't appreciate you and blah 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 the fans appreciate him. We've you all know, appreciated him, and I yeah. will, I, despite my feelings about how this this last year has gone, I will always look at, as, at him as a, a Chicago Bear, no matter what happens. I don't care if he plays another six years in the league yeah. and on another team or on ten other teams, he's still a Chicago Bear, and yeah. I would be, I would not, at not even for a second, be against them retiring his number or whatever, mm-hmm. but it, I just, like I said... I would hate to see it in that way. Yeah. So moving on to the bear up list, um, the first guy on the list we'll say for last, just because. Um, <laughs> but we got um, Jeremy Langford definitely earned it easily. Um, uh, Eddie Goldman mm-hmm. absolutely, um, and Adrian Amos. Those are our three draft choices. Heronis Grasu was not a bear up or a bear down, so we'll just uh, you know he gets a passing grade for the season, mm-hmm. but we're not going to pin a medal on his chest this year. Yeah. Uh, Pernell McPhee. Was our was our top of the line free agent signing this year? Definitely delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't the leader in sacks, but he was definitely a leader on the field. I thought it said a ton, a ton that this is a guy new to the team was voted by his teammates as a captain, having only been on the team for literally like five weeks mm-hmm. after training camp. I thought that meant huge, and you know he was a leader through the media. He played well on the field. If he could just been healthy throughout the year, I think he probably would have had a much bigger impact than he did. But I definitely look at McPhee as being a huge uh, success in his first year in Chicago. Lamar Houston, I think you just got to give the guy a bear up just because he didn't re-injure himself when he's, you know, (laughs) sacked the quarterback. There was no celebrations this year. Yeah, I mean, he he only had eight sacks, but that was good enough to lead the team. Uh, Willie Young, I, I, I especially love Willie Young. This is a guy who behind closed doors or so the rumor was was asking for a trade after they got rid of uh, Jared Allen uh, and everything he wasn't comfortable at the outside linebacker position this is a guy that won't even say that's the position he plays yeah pay that man his money right there yeah that's how adamant he is that he's not an outside linebacker he won't even call himself one but he had another six sacks six and a half whatever it was so he uh, answered the call again Uh, Tracy Porter you know, I think he was a bigger surprise this year than people thought he was going to be. Uh, Zach Miller, obviously, got to give one up to him. Mm-hmm. If if for nothing, that catch he made in San Diego, that one-handed, well, I'm just going to pull the ball out of the sky catch that he made for the touchdown was well, insane. Well, in the back-to-back games. Well, with yeah. Two, with two touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> the, St. Louis, the St. Louis game that he had there, too. Uh, Matt Lawson, who I thought was our most consistent offensive lineman mm-hmm. um, this year. Uh, Mark Mariani, for all the reasons that we talked to about before. Jarvis Jenkins, he was the guy. He Didn't he play in all 16 games this um, year? You know, for possibly. what the defensive yeah. line was supposed to be and what it ended up being, Jarvis Jenkins being the guy that was there from beginning to end was definitely not how the Bears wrote it up 
going no. into the year. But he was there. He was actually – we didn't get a sack in the first two games of the year. He got the first sack of the year and got the defense uh, rolling in that game against uh, uh, Seattle. Uh, so I wanted to give him a bear up for the year. Uh, John Timu and Jonathan Anderson, we talked about them uh, earlier. And then, you know, just for the improvement that we saw in, in, in how the coaching level rose – uh, you know, and how we could see. And, and for Vic Fangio, we didn't quite get the consistent results that we wanted, but we didn't get smoked the way that yeah. we did against Mel Tucker. Our guys, at the very least, whether or not they were able to make the play they needed to be, they were where they needed to be so that the Bears just didn't get decimated by their opponents. You know, there were no 55-7 to 7 national TV atrocities like we had against Green Bay last year like we were talked about before outside of our shutout since the shutout loss to Seattle and the 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 bad game that we had in Minnesota every other game was down to the wire uh single digit finishes win or lose so the defense did its job to at the very least keep the Bears in the game I mean and he uh it's definitely one of the reasons why Packers fans were about ready to jump without a parachute this (laughs) year man (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I love talking about that dude. That was so much fun to talk about when I did the review episode. They're out. at rock bottom. I, oh, I'll never man. forget that. I'll never forget yeah. that headline. That yeah, was amazing. That was that was awesome. So and then obviously we throw John Fox and Adam Gase uh, in there as well. And then the two guys on the list that we didn't talk about yet. The first one was Kyle Long, and you know I know that that I that he made the bear down list a couple times this year. Um, two, three games in a row he gave up a sack where Cutler probably fumbled the ball or it the, the sack that he gave up killed a promising drive, that kind of thing. But f- for all the good that he did this year, that Denver game especially I think was his shining moment where Von Miller, one of the premier pass rushers in this league, was not heard from for the majority of the football game because that's who he was going head-to-head with for the most of the for most of that game I think speaks to the improvement that he made throughout the year he had that rough year week that rough game week one against um, Peppers again in Green Bay and then just slowly but surely improved and the thing about it is when you're a tackle your mistakes are going to be glaringly more apparent than they would if you were a guard Yes, because because you're getting beat off the edge by that guy that comes out by himself and so on and so forth. That it isn't really as apparent as it is on the interior as it is on the outside. So, I mean, that's why it kind of looked like, you know, some people probably think I'm nuts or like how people could vote Kyle Long back into the Pro Bowl uh, kind of thing is for all the things that we didn't notice. Because, you know, most of the time, if you're hearing about the offensive lineman, that is a bad thing. That is a bad thing. These are guys that would would rather be invisible as far as they're concerned, would rather you not know who they were, what their names are, or anything like that, because that means they're doing their jobs. And I was not a huge fan of him moving to tackle. Um, I went back, I reviewed reviewed some of the plays, looked at some of the things, and when you really look back at the schedule, Jay Cutler should be dead. Yeah. (laughs) And so when you think about Kyle Long gave up sacks here and there, that maybe stall drives, maybe cause fumbles, maybe cause a turnover. That happens. But in all honesty, when you look at the defenses and what those defenses were doing to other teams, Jay Cutler should have been in pieces on that football field, and it wasn't. And you brought up yeah. the Denver game. That was one I was going to bring up. I mean, there's no way that – I know that they lost that one, but Jay Cutler should have been killed in that one yeah. and wasn't. Yeah, for sure. So 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then finally, speaking of Jay Cutler, the reason I saved him for last, it's not a best for last thing, um, you know, but actually it kind of is. Yeah. You know, he was the best player on the team this year, easily the MVB, the most valuable bear uh, in 2015, because without him, we saw what our <laughs> go back to Seattle and the second half of the Arizona game and the entire Seattle game. See what the offense would have been w- without Jay Cutler uh, this year. And you put him back in there, you know, on one leg against uh, against Oakland. And all of a sudden, we're, we get first downs, we're in the end zone, we're winning this game against Oakland the week after the fourth quarter comeback at Kansas City and so on throughout the rest of the year. You, as a Bears fan, nothing infuriates me more than listening to people talk about Jay Cutler quitting in a NFC Championship game. Oh, my God. Six I years just... <laughs> ago against, oh, man. against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Because if you watch what he endured – in yeah. some of those f- first few seasons in Chicago. I mean, wasn't he I think he was in top 5 sacked quarterback in three straight years easily, yeah. And then to challenge if anybody wants to say he's not tough, then they can they I'll I'll drop him off in the Pacific. That's fine. <laughs> because there's no way with the injury that he had it was he was supposed to be gone four to six weeks. Came back mm-hmm. after one, missing one game, one or one and a half games. Yeah, and played and won. And this he and showed, didn't miss a snap for the rest of the year. And he showed, he showed that he was there to show every other player that gets hurt that I'm going to be here. You're not going to get rid of me. And if I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And he did it. And I, I'm just, I'm really impressed by that. And it really quieted a lot of the, uh, it ga- and it gave me fuel for to combat those those conversations. Sure. When people people say, oh, he quits. He's just, he's soft. Really? Because <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, Patriots fan, that Tom Brady doesn't really play his best when his offensive line doesn't play well. I mean, I think we've seen that this year. Yep. I think we've seen what happens when um when Aaron Rodgers doesn't have an offensive line to protect him. Yeah. When Drew Brees doesn't have an offensive line to protect him, it's it all goes to hell. Yep. So did all of them quit? No. Yeah. So right. Yep. I, I just get a, I get pretty irritated by that. And and I'm sure that now I'll get comments. About, oh, I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will go on Twitter and be like, Jay Cutler is a, a schmuck He's, or whatever. You yeah, know. <laughs> Ron at footballisamerica.com. So <laughs> <laughs> for your comments, your concern, your hate mail, Ron at footballisamerica.com. Go ahead and throw it out there. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So, but Ron, uh, thanks so much uh, for coming back. We're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, wrap up here. All right. uh, 2015 uh, season, if, if if nothing else, you know, it was exciting. You know, being in the games, uh, the single-digit wins and losses uh, and everything. And, it, you know, I believe, as I'm sure you do, that the the future for 2016 is, is a lot brighter than it was going into uh, 2015 and that um, we have the right people leading the charge and we've got places, to, uh, we got pieces uh, to build on and, uh, you know, it's not going to suck being a Bear fan for much longer. I I I I think that's uh, 
I think that's a certainty. I uh, no, I'm 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 very excited about what's what's to come. This season gave everybody that's a Bears fan hope, and I'm I just now I just want to fast forward. Can I? Can we just go to sleep? I'm just going to oh, go to sleep, and I'm going to wake up in July. I would, okay, I would just love to. I absolutely <laughs> would. Would love to fall asleep, and you know, and, and maybe wake up, you know, for a few minutes in April. You need to get uh, yourself an intern, Larry. Tell him to build yeah. build you a time machine. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we'll do that. So, I mean, wake wake me up for the draft, you know, and then go back to sleep. Wake me up when uh, when training camp is wrapping up, you know. That's you know, because nobody wants to watch those first two uh, preseason games, and, right? You know, wake me up for the dress rehearsal, and we'll 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 go from there. So, <laughs> so so anyway, Ron, thanks so much. Uh, Absolutely, for coming back. Uh, you can hear Ron and myself on the Football Is America uh, podcast. And Ron, tell us where we can find that. Uh, you can go to footballisamerica.com. Our website has all of the podcasts there. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, all of the podcasting platforms. Just search for Football Is America. We're on Facebook. Twitter at FBIA podcast. And just basically, if you search for us on any social media platform, you'll find us. We're there. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, we'll see what, uh, what we here at the Chicago Bears Review do uh, in the offseason. Um, definitely want to try to be a bit more active than I have been uh, in the past, just because with the guests and everything that we've had on the show, I've just had way more fun doing the show this year than I have. Not that the show hasn't been fun, but I've had way more fun this year having different people on the show and especially having the fans from the other fan bases uh, come on and, and uh, talk about their teams uh, with us. So definitely want to figure out how to stay more active during the, during the off season and who we can bring on and, and for what reason and, and so on and so forth. So um, stay tuned to our Facebook page um, to stay, you know, to keep a, up to date or on Twitter as to when it is I'll be coming back, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a pre-free agency show or something like that and and everything uh, in between. So uh, keep your eyes open. We will be back. We will not be gone for long. But until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.